Can't get enough of Rebel Girls? Well, luckily, the Rebel Girls app is now completely free. That's right, you can listen to the entire library of goodnight stories for Rebel Girls ad-free. Plus, check out the app's cool features like activities, trivia, custom playlists, and more. All parent-trusted and kids-safe. Find out more at rebelgirls.com slash audio and download the Rebel Girls app today. Thanks for listening. Ah, wow. This egg cream is delicious. I wish the chocolate syrup inside wasn't so expensive. If you'd like to save some shekels and have some fun at the same time, make sure you tune into King of the Egg Cream, available wherever you get your podcasts. Hello again, R.L. Stein Story Club members. I'm Ivy, your ghostly host and keeper of those strange and spooky tales from the hidden vault of R.L. Stein. Today is, you guessed it, another chilling tale. This blood-chilling tale, Story Club members, might make you plop down a few quarts of precious plasma. It's one I call Give Blood. Seth hated needles. Okay, don't move, please, said the nurse. This won't hurt a bit. The shiny needle that was about to be plunged into Seth's left arm looked huge. It looked like it should be used for knitting, not drawing blood. Type AB negative is a rare blood, Mr. Myers, the nurse said. Her breath smelled of peppermint breath fresheners. You should count yourself lucky to be such an exceptional young man. Seth liked being called Mr. and Young Man. It made his age of 11 seem older and more distinguished. But he still didn't like the needle that was slowly piercing his skin in search of a vein. The red-haired nurse guided it with the skill of an oil well driller. Seth tried not to flinch. He tried to live up to his recently upgraded Mr. status. But as far as he was concerned, the school band owed him, big time. This was all part of the school annual blood drive to get money for band trips. A budding trumpet player, Seth and the band would take the bus all over the state and play at different school concerts. For his trouble and his blood, Seth would earn 20 bucks for the cause. It seemed like such a small sum to justify this level of suffering. Just look at those needles. Suddenly, Seth felt woozy and lightheaded. He closed his eyes. He could not watch his crimson blood sneak up a plastic tube and into a bag any longer. He would faint for sure. All done, the nurse suddenly said, sticking a fresh cotton ball on Seth's arm. She placed medical adhesive tape over the lamb white ball to hold it in place. There are cookies and orange juice over on the table there. Make sure to eat and drink a little to get your blood sugar back to normal. Huh, maybe giving blood wasn't so bad after all. Seth climbed down off the table. He rolled his shirt sleeve down over his freshly administered wound. This was his first time at the blood bank. At first, he thought it might be a regular bank, with tellers at windows taking your blood deposits instead of money. Loan officers might lend you some type A blood instead of money for a new car. But it wasn't like that at all. It was only this one nurse in a house converted to office space on a quiet residential street. The sign outside on the lawn that said, Borgo Pass Blood Bank, was the only clue that it wasn't a house. The doctor would like to see you, the nurse said to him as he munched down several chocolate chip cookies washed down by a cup of orange juice. He said he'd like to meet a young man of such a special blood type. The doctor was down the hall from the dining room converted into a blood drawing area. His office was a back bedroom that faced west. Seth knew this because as he entered the office, he could see the autumn sun that looked like a glob of orange sherbet beginning to set behind the hill that loomed over the tiny town. There was an engraved name placard on the desk, Dr. Acula. 
Seth couldn't see the doctor's face. It was buried behind the evening newspaper. The doctor sat in a high wingback chair in a corner of the tastefully decorated room. It had an old-world European flair with the antique chairs and a few classic oil paintings. Seth wondered if they were originals. Probably not for a modest country doctor tucked away in a small October town. Dr. Acula? Seth asked the buried-behind-the-newspaper physician. You wanted to see me? The doctor didn't answer. He continued to read, or hide, behind the newspaper. That was when Seth noticed his hands, large but with long, pencil-thin fingers. The nails were long, filed to a point, and yellowed with age. Black tufts of hair on the back of the hands looked like sleeping tarantulas against the icy pale skin. This is ridiculous, Seth thought. It's getting late and I have to go home for dinner. The sun, now blood-colored, sunk all the way behind the hill. And almost synchronized with the falling sun, the doctor slowly lowered his newspaper. Seth gasped. The doctor was clad head to toe in black. His eyes, if that's what you want to call his eyes, were a cool yellow, but the irises were fire red. They seemed to blaze with a light source of their own as they stared at Seth. The doctor's hair was batwing black, slicked all the way back on his skull. He had a pronounced widow's peak as sharp as a raven's claw on his forehead. The hawk beak nose angled down to thin, colorless lips that were fixed in a cruel smirk. I bid you welcome, Dr. Acula said with a heavy Eastern European accent. In his cavern mouth, he had rows upon rows of sharp teeth that could be stalactites. Within a split second, the man rose to his six-foot-four height and guided up to Seth, inches from the boy's face. The doctor's breath was rank. I have not dined upon type A negative blood for nearly 200 years. I will feast well tonight. In his last moments of life, it all started to make sense to Seth. Dr. Acula. Dracula. Could this gruesome figure who was about to bite his neck be the legendary vampire, the immortal bloodsucker himself? He would never know. Mr. Myers, said a distant voice. Young man, are you okay? The disembodied voice continued, becoming clearer. Seth? Seth awoke on the blood drawing table. His head felt light, like it was stuffed with cotton balls. You fainted, the red-haired nurse with the peppermint breath said, just before I was about to put the needle in your arm. Judging by your reaction, it's probably not wise to take your blood right now. A pity. Are you okay? For the first time since he entered the house-turned-office blood bank, Seth was okay. He nodded. Yeah, I'm fine. A gentleman in a frosty white lab coat had his back to Seth. He turned around to face the boy. It was the vampire face of Dracula himself. Dr. Acula? Seth asked, shuddering in fear. Doctor? The nurse asked. No, this is Mr. Stoker, the blood bank administrator. Behind the tall, pale Mr. Stoker, the orange October sun began to fall behind the hill. The blood bank administrator said nothing to Seth. He only opened his mouth and smiled. And his teeth were long and sharp. Okay, so if I ever had to give blood, I'm going early in the morning where there's plenty of daylight. Just to make sure there are no vampires lurking around. I have problems enough when I accidentally leave the door open in the summertime and a few mosquitoes buzz in trying to drain my blood. Stinky little vampires. Buzz off, am I right? In my opinion, I think it's best to go through life with all the blood in your body. It's kind of essential for everything to work right. 
Hey again, R.L. Stein Story Club members. I'm Ivy, your host with the most and keeper of those strange and spooky tales from the hidden vault of R.L. Stein. Today is another chilling tale. This eerie tale, Story Club members, might make you hope you don't get woken up in the middle of the night. It's one I call Bump, Bump, Bump in the Night. As the clock struck midnight, an unusual rhythmic sound woke up Blake Curtis. It had sounded like a bump, bump, bump. Blake's first thought was that it was a windstorm outside and maybe the branch of a tree was hitting the house. He didn't know this house that well. This was his first night in it, after all. He'd just moved to a new town. School was gonna start next week. Blake was tired from moving boxes all day. And now, something was waking him up in the dead of night. Blake climbed out of bed with a sigh and wandered through the dark house. His parents were asleep in front of the TV. On the screen, a Netflix message asked if they were still watching. No, they clearly weren't. They'd binge-watched their show into a coma. His dad woke up in mid-snore. What are you doing up? I couldn't sleep. Oh, there's some melatonin in the bathroom. Take one of those, they help. No, I went to sleep just fine. Something woke me up. Listen. Blake's mom woke up too. Honey, what's going on? Blake says there's a noise. Yeah, he said. Listen. They listened. Nothing. Hey, it's an old house, and they tend to settle in the middle of the night. You're just not used to it yet. This was not the sound of a house settling, Blake said. Our other house did that, and it didn't sound like this. This sounds like a, I don't know, somebody banging on something, hammering something, bang, bang, bang. His dad got up and turned on the lights. Tell you what, before I tuck you back into bed, we'll go check it out together. How about that? Blake yawned. Yeah, sure. They wandered through the house, turning on all the lights, but the noise had stopped. Maybe he dreamed it? One thing he knew is that people sometimes dreamed sounds too, not only images. The next morning, Blake woke up before his parents. It was another day of moving around boxes, but he felt restless. He went outside. They lived on a long country road with two houses at the end on a cool de sac. The house next door was vacant. There was a for sale sign in the yard, but it was weathered with tall grass growing up around it. Apparently, it's been on the house market for a while now. Next to the house stood a garage. It has a beat up old basketball backboard and hoop. Blake walked up to the house, but it made him uncomfortable. He felt like he was being watched from somewhere in its dark windows. Hopefully there was nobody squatting inside the vacant house. The thought creeped Blake out. He walked around his house to see if any tree branches touched the house or to find anything that could have made that noise. He didn't find anything. Oh well. That night though, as the grandfather clock in the hallway struck midnight, the bump, bump, bump sound came again. Okay, Blake was sure he wasn't dreaming this time. He laid in bed and listened. It went on for 10 minutes. Strange. The house stayed dark. His parents hadn't gotten up. He went to his parents' room. They were both asleep, his dad lightly snoring. No surprise they couldn't hear anything with his dad sounding like a bear gargling mouthwash. The sound was definitely coming from outside. Blake grabbed a flashlight and headed out the back door. A slight September wind grazed the elm trees, making their leaves hiss in the night air. There it was again, the bump, bump, bump sound. If he had to guess, it was coming from the house next door. It stood dark and empty against the moonless night. As he crept over to the house next door, the sound abruptly stopped. It's as if it stopped on his account. He snapped off the flashlight and waited a few minutes in the shadows, hoping that the sound would start up again. It didn't, so he went back to bed. 
On the third night, Blake set his alarm for 11.50 p.m. He would wake up 10 minutes before the sound would begin, if it would begin at all. This time, though, he would sneak outside, go next door, and wait. He had to find out what the sound was, even if it was just a family of raccoons banging around in the vacant house. He had to know. And why was he the only one hearing it? The alarm went off 10 minutes before midnight. Blake was ready, already in his clothes. He hopped out of bed, slipped on his sneakers, grabbed the flashlight, and snuck out of the house. His heart was racing this time, beating in his chest and pounding in his ears. Bump, bump, bump. Yeah, that's what the sound had sounded like, almost like a massive heartbeat. The thought of that made him want to turn around and go back inside the house. What if some kind of monster was lurking around in the darkness, its massive heart thumping against its scaly chest, its blood-colored eyes peering in the darkness, its claws dripping with venom, waiting to strike, waiting to plunge into... Okay, that's enough of that fantasy, Blake told himself. He waited in the shadows. He waited for what seemed like forever. Maybe it wouldn't happen. The fact that he was here now, maybe the bumping wouldn't begin at all. Perhaps it was just teasing him, mocking him, only happening when he least expected it. Bump, bump, bump. There it was. Bump, bump, bump. Blake crept along the fence that divided the properties, then peered around the wooden slats. In the driveway, a basketball was bouncing on the driveway court. Then it stopped, raised up, and shot into the air, striking the backboard. The ball then plopped through the wire basket frame and landed on the court again. He watched this happen three times, each a perfect dribble, shot, and score. But nobody was there. It was only the ball. It was bouncing itself. And it wasn't the wind, because there wasn't any wind tonight. Starting to get freaked out, Blake crept around the fence and back into his yard. The bumping stopped. Then the basketball rolled into his yard. He didn't move. Hey kid, you want to play a little one-on-one? -on -one? Blake turned. And then he could see the man, or what appeared to be a man. But Blake could see through him. A ghost. The man was wearing a basketball uniform. The name's Curly Joe Johnston. Used to be a world-famous globetrotter once. One night, long after I retired, I was shooting some hoops, had a fatal heart attack, and, well, here I am. It's been pretty lonely without anyone around. Come on, shoot some hoops, kid. And don't be scared, except to lose. Well, that didn't end entirely too scary. Maybe more eerie than scary. I'll take eerie. So if the sneakers were on the other feet, would you play hoops with a professional basketball player ghost? Or would you run for the exits? I'm pretty terrible at sports, so it'd be a dead ball for me. Do you like to laugh? Ah, uh, who am I kidding? Who doesn't like to laugh? So okay, if you love to laugh, you'll love Don't Break the Rules. It's a hilarious comedy improv podcast where the voice actors make up their lines on the spot and try to be the only actor who doesn't break the rules. These talented actors are great at coming up with silly scenes and stories when they follow the rules for the episode. And it gets even sillier when they accidentally break the rules. The stories are guided by suggestions from kids like you, and the episodes feature laughs, burps, and the occasional unicorn. So if you'd like to giggle and play along, be sure to listen to Don't Break the Rules wherever you listen to podcasts. Hello.
Hello again, R.L. Stein Story Club members. I'm Ivy, your ghostly host and keeper of those strange and spooky tales from the hidden vault of R.L. Stein. Today is another chilling tale. This eerie tale, Story Club members, might make you never want to eat corn again. It's one I call corn stocking. A week in the country. Tyler Carson wasn't sure what to think about that. His best friend, Brad Ritter, had moved last spring out to a big farmhouse 50 miles away. Tyler and Brad kept in touch over the school year with hopes they could spend time together over the summer break. Tyler never would have thought a town kid like Brad would have adjusted to becoming Farmer Brown out in the sticks, but it seems he had. So weird. Before the move, Brad was always into playing video games and going to the local pool and mall. Now, he was getting up early and doing chores like feeding chickens, milking cows, and operating irrigation lines before going to school each morning. It made Tyler tired just thinking about it. You can help me with my morning chores, Brad had said. Yeah, great, Tyler thought. Then when it gets too hot, maybe we can go tubing down the river, pig out on snacks, and play video games. You still play video games, right? Tyler asked. Of course, Brad said with a laugh. I just moved to the country, I didn't die. Tyler's mom pulled onto a dusty road that led up to the Ritter farmhouse. Surrounding the old house was a sea of corn stalks as far as the eye could see. Tyler marveled at all the greenery. There wasn't anything like this in the city. Then, his eyes focused on a man standing out in the middle of the field. He loomed over all the corn, wearing a dark felt hat, bib overalls, and a blue flannel shirt. The man smiled at him, a fixed smile that was sewn onto his burlap bag face. A scarecrow. Tyler did not like the look of the thing. It creeped him out and gave him a bad vibe. I guess that was the point of a scarecrow, to scare things off. Except he wasn't a bird. He adjusted his Seattle Mariner's cap on his head and turned away. Tyler's mom pulled up to Brad's house. He jumped out of his mom's car, grabbed his bags, and told her goodbye. He was gonna have a good time in the country. He hoped. Brad came out of the house. Hey, loser. Hey, loser yourself. Help me with my bags. Brad took Tyler inside the house and they lugged his bags to the guest bedroom, which was right next to Brad's. Brad's dad was out in the shop fixing a combine and his mom was in town. What do we do now? Tyler asked. Well, whatever we want now. We don't have anything to do for the farm until tomorrow morning. Then we have to get up early and feed chickens and a few other things. The good news is that with you helping me, we'll be done in no time. Then we'll have the rest of the day for fun. For starters, Tyler and Brad put on their swimming trunks. They grabbed some inner tubes from the shop, said hi to Brad's dad, and then headed to the stream, which was at the edge of the property. The problem was, they had to pass that creepy scarecrow. What's the problem? Brad asked. Tyler nodded to the scarecrow. Oh, don't be afraid of Norm. He's the guardian of the fields. He's pretty creepy looking. Yeah, he is, but he does his job really well. Do you see any birds eating the corn? Guess not. How can one scarecrow cover all this acreage? He just does. We didn't make him. He came with the old place. Old man Masterson who lived here before us gave specific instructions about Norm. Like what? When to put Norm out in the fields and when to bring him in. When to change out his shirts, not letting him get too raggedy, that kind of thing. That seems kind of weird and random. Yeah, but it's what the old guy wanted. A starling fluttered through the cloudless blue sky and landed on Norm's dusty hat. Tyler turned away for a moment and then peered back at the scarecrow. The bird was gone. And a few black feathers drifted down in front of Norm to the ground. And one of the scarecrow's arms seemed like it was in a different position than before. Did that scarecrow just eat the bird? Would you stop obsessing about Norm, dude? We've got a stream to drift. 
Tyler adjusted his Mariner's ball cap and tried to forget about the unsettling scarecrow. The boys spent the day drifting down the stream. The heat and sun, and all the walking they had to do to get back home, had worn Tyler out. After a home-cooked meal with the Ritter family and an hour of video games with Brad, Tyler was ready for bed, especially since he learned they had to be up at 5 in the morning with the rising sun. Ugh. In the middle of the night, however, Tyler found himself wide awake. He could not go back to sleep. He went into the living room to watch some TV, but then he was afraid that the noise might wake up everybody else in the house. The moon was fat and full in the August night sky. The sea of corn looked silvery in the light. Then he realized that Norm was gone. Where the scarecrow was supposed to be, it was only a pole sticking straight up that held him into place. Had he fallen over in the night, or was he walking around, stalking around amongst the cornstalks? Tyler shuddered at the thought. He went to Brad's room, but he wasn't in his bed. Where did his friend go? Tyler went to Brad's parents' room next. They weren't in their bed either. What was going on? Then Brad, in his pajamas, rushed into the house. Hey, Tyler, come out to the shop, it's an emergency. Before Tyler could ask anything about the missing scarecrow, his friend grabbed his arm. Come on. They both ran out to the shop, which was a corrugated tin building. The lights burned inside. Tyler couldn't believe his eyes. A large metal work table had candles around it. Norm, the scarecrow, stood over it, his long flannel arms wide. Brad's parents were there as well, wearing their bathrobes. It appeared they were holding some kind of candlelight ceremony. Weird. You see, Brad said, it's like this. Norm must eat your soul. Once every year during the full moon, a sacrifice must be made. Last year, we fed old man Masterson's soul to Norm, and we had a bountiful harvest in a profitable year. It's nothing personal, my friend. It's what has to be. It's just good business. You're crazy, Tyler said. All of you. He ran for the door, but slipped on a grease spot and fell against the hard concrete floor. Everything went black. The Ritters filed a missing person report, but the authorities assumed that Tyler Carson had accidentally drowned in the stream, even though they never found any trace of him. And Norm the Scarecrow that lives in the field? Well, he was now wearing a Seattle Mariner's ball cap on his head, and his stitched smile seemed wider than before. Much wider. Whoa, okay. That tale even freaked me out. Let's now calm down, people. Are you with me? Join me in heading over to the Go Kid Go network to check out some less horrifying stories, like Bobby Wonder, about a 10-year-old alien who has to protect the town of Pflugerville from villainous Mighty Mila, and Lucy Wow over in the Big Red Barn inventing all sorts of cool stuff with her mechanical pygmy goat, Kapow, and Martha and Waffle being totally hilarious nitwits in the underground world of Flusville. Just search for Bobby Wonder, Lucy Wow, or Flusville wherever you get your podcasts and you'll find your way to a great time. And, of course, join me back here tomorrow for another eerie episode, because every R.L. Stein Story Club member needs a little scare every day. Ivy out! Go, kid, go! Whether you like to test yourself on what you know, or you're interested in learning a bunch of cool new facts, you are bound to enjoy 5 for 5 Trivia, a podcast all about trivia knowledge. 
Every week has a different theme, like amusement parks, creepy animals, video games, the universe, and a whole lot more. And each day, you try to get five for five right on those trivia topics and hopefully learn something new along the way. Is a shark a fish or a mammal? Which spell does Harry Potter use most often? You can answer those questions and more on Five for Five Trivia. So if you're ready to challenge yourself and give yourself a big high five for the things you know, be sure to check out Five for Five Trivia, available wherever you listen to your podcasts. 